Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week continues our three-week teaching series, Great Aim. Great Aim can be defined as a choice that forever changes the direction of my life. It's a behavior that increases my relational closeness to Jesus. It's an action that increases my dependency on God. Join Valley Point Church as we investigate some very unique, even disturbing stories in Scripture that speak of great aim. We started this series last week called Great Aim. And this is really more than shooting apples and pigs, and it's more than bows and arrows. We're really talking about how we can, how it's very, very possible for every single person in here to have great aim with your life. Like, this isn't something that just has to happen to somebody else who has their act together. This can actually happen to me with my life and with my attitudes and with my actions and with everything about me. I can have great aim. And so last week, we gave a definition of what it would look like if we all had great aim in our lives. And I would encourage you to fill in these blanks in your program and think through this because this is really the heart of great aim. First of all, it's a choice that forever changes the direction of my life. And we all have to make choices all day long. Some of those choices devastate us and they cause a lot of problems and we wish we could go back and take them and do them over again, but we can't. Other choices really bring success. Life is all about choices. And when we think about having great aim with our lives, it's a choice that forever changes the direction of my life. But it's more than a choice. It's also a behavior that increases my relational closeness with Jesus. So it's a choice, but it's also a behavior, a behavior that just pushes me closer and closer to Jesus. That's great aim. It's a choice, it's a behavior, but it's also an action that grows my dependency on God. So when we think about having great aim with our lives, which again is possible for every single person, we're talking about a choice, a behavior, and an action. And when all of that begins to line up in our lives, we can have great aim. And great aim is more than just aiming at anything. So let's think about that for a moment. I mean, why not just aim at anything? Why can't we do that? Well, here's a few reasons. What if anything is the wrong thing? Right? Like you're trying to figure this out and you're aiming at anything, but how do you know if that anything is the wrong thing? How do you figure that out? How do you know? So in my parenting journey, I've watched a lot of basketball games. I've watched my kids participate in different leagues, and I've come to the conclusion that there is nothing more entertaining than watching first, second, and third graders play basketball. I mean, there's nothing greater than that because they don't really play. They just kind of wander. They just kind of move. They don't know what they're doing, but it's all good because you're happy for them. They're learning the game, and they're having a great time, and it really is entertaining to watch as a parent. And inevitably, here's what happens whenever you're watching a first, second, or third grader play basketball. Inevitably, 
one of the kids will take a shot. They will aim and they will make a basket. And then they'll begin to jump and celebrate as if they have just accomplished and pulled off the greatest thing in the world only to discover that they shot at the wrong basket. Right? We've all seen this. They had great aim. It was there, but it was the wrong thing. So why can't we just aim at anything? I think we've got to ask, what if it really is the wrong thing? So let's put this into an adult context. It seems that much of our adult life can be focused on the next thing, the next job, the next promotion, the next purchase, the next vacation, the next status booster. And often that focus is on bigger and better. That aim is on accumulating. There's nothing wrong with accumulating things, nothing wrong with that at all. But are we just aiming at anything when we do that? And what if? What if it's the wrong thing? So let's put this into a student context. So if you're in middle school or high school or you're doing the college thing, it seems that much of the student life is aimed at social status, my likability, my popularity. And the aim there is on acceptance. There's nothing wrong with being accepted. But chasing acceptance is like chasing the wind. It's hard to figure out. It's constantly moving. And it can be something that keeps us from being comfortable in our own skin. It's like chasing after anything. And again, what if anything is the wrong thing? Now, here's what I've discovered. It seems that we often move through life and we assume and we just think that we're aiming at all of the right things when in reality, we're just aiming at all kinds of stuff. We're aiming at anything and often it's the wrong thing. So that's why we can't aim at anything. Here's another reason. We just can't aim at anything and why it's not a great idea and that is because it's not super motivating. I mean, it's really not. Does anybody wake up and say, today is the day that I'm going to aim at anything? This is what I want to accomplish. And for the next eight hours of my life, I'm just going to aim at anything out there. See, people don't normally say that because it's really not that motivating. You could also say that aiming at anything is a wasted effort because it may not grow us and it may not stretch us and it might not deepen our trust levels. And ultimately, the win is not defined in just aiming at anything because how do we know when we've achieved anything? How do we know when we've really hit the target of anything? See, here's the danger. The danger is that in aiming at anything, we're really aiming at nothing. And so let's ask that question. Why can't we just aim at nothing with our lives? I mean, who really cares? Anyway, why can't we just float through life accidental-like and whatever happens, happens, and it is what it is? Why can't we just aim at nothing? The problem is, 
that a lot of people with their lives, they do aim at nothing and they view it as a perpetual lazy river, but the end eventually comes and it's really hard to get out of that tube, isn't it? Like I did a lazy river this summer and it was fun because I got to float through there and do nothing at all. But when I got to the end, I couldn't get out of the tube. I was stuck and I stood up and people are laughing at me and I'm falling over and the thing is just stuck to me. And I don't think God wants us to live life that way. I don't think he wants us to view it as nothing, as a perpetual lazy river with an end that is terrible. As a matter of fact, God has designed us, he's created us to move through life with meaning and purpose and intention. And I want to say that again because if that would just fall into us, I think a lot would change. So for every single person in this room, if you're here, this is for you, and I want you to listen, and I want you to embrace this. God has created you. God has designed you to move through life with meaning and purpose and intention, and that can happen when we are intentional about having great aim with our lives. So one of the challenges today is to chase great aim. Let's get after that great aim in our schools, great aim in our families, great aim in our workplaces, great aim in our communities, great aim in our responses to each other, great aim in our friendships, great aim in our generosity, great aim in our finances, and great aim in our friendship with God. Great aim. Let's chase that. Let's pursue having great aim. Let's aspire to do that. Let's strive for that so that God can use each and every one of us to be a bright light. So instead of just aiming at anything or even aiming at nothing and assuming that that's okay, because it's really not okay, it's not going to help us. So instead of just aiming at anything or aiming at nothing at all, let's aim at a few good things. And again, this is what gives us intention and purpose and meaning in life. So last week we said this, aim for rescuing with your life. Aim for rescuing. And what is rescuing? Well, it's using my life to point other people to a rescuing God. And I hope that you've had fun this week thinking about how God has uniquely placed people around you who need your help and your encouragement and your life experience and they need your friendship with Jesus. And God has placed you there so that you can help rescue them. Last week in this room, we had people who got rescued for the very first time and said yes to Jesus. And that's a great thing because God wants to use this place and God wants to use every single person in here to be involved in rescuing. So today, we're going to look at another unique story that's found in Judges chapter 9, and we're going to investigate the life of a guy named Abimelech. And his story is a little bizarre, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. I think you're going to remember it, and you'll walk out thinking, this is a little bit crazy. But here's the big idea that we're going to pull out of the life and the story of Abimelech, and that is aim for integrity. This is the choice before all of us. Aim for integrity. It's not a new word. It's a word that politicians want to have, and it's a word that business people talk about. But what does the word integrity 
actually mean? Well, it's a very interesting word because it comes from the word integer. And the word integer means a whole number. In other words, it's not a fraction. It's not divided. It's not splintered. It is whole. It is whole the whole way through. Now, you could say that something that has integrity, whether it's an item or whether it's a person, you could describe this individual or this thing as whole. It is whole the whole way through. It is not divided. It is not fractured at all. It is complete. It is sturdy. It is reliable. It is full of integrity, integer. It is whole. Now, you can also think about it this way. I've got a little board here. Check this out. And I would say that this board is whole. The whole way through, it is not divided. It is not splintered. It is not weak. It is strong. And if you were going out to build something and you needed a piece of wood this size, you'd probably check this out and you would say, I can do that. I like that piece of wood. It is not divided, it is whole, it has a lot of integrity. Now, you might not use that actual language, but you would say, it looks good, I'm going to go for it because it's going to be strong for whatever it is that I'm building. We would say that this board right here, it is full of integrity. It's whole the whole way through. It's a great picture for us. Now, check this out. I've got another board over here, and this thing is anything but whole. As a matter of fact, from the other side, I can actually see all of you. It is not whole the whole way through. It's splintered. It is divided. It is a picture of something that does not have integrity because it's not strong. It's not complete. If you were building something, you would probably look at this piece of wood and you would toss it to the side because you don't want this in your house or your shed or whatever it is that you might be building because it is not whole the whole way through. It has a problem. It is divided. It is fractured. It is not whole the whole way through. It's just not. This is a picture of a lack of integrity. Now, we could define integrity this way. It's being the same on the inside that we claim to be on the outside. Like if we say we're this and we're whole the whole way through, but on the inside we actually look like this, we are not a person who is whole. We have a lack of integrity. Integrity equals consistency. We're not talking about perfection here because nobody's perfect, but we're talking about consistency. It's where your actions, your thoughts, and your feelings all line up. Integrity, here's the picture. Here's what it looks like. It is whole the whole way through. Lack of integrity right here. It is not whole the whole way through. As you think about your life right now, where do you think you stand? Would you say that you're an individual who has integrity? Or is there a gap there? Is there a hole? See, maybe you're here and you're thinking, I've got this down. 
And you're thinking, I'm even an individual who is full of integrity. That's how I would describe myself. I am whole the whole way through. I know I'm not a perfect individual, but I am consistent. I am not fractured. I'm not divided on the inside. I have integrity. Well, if that's you, congratulations. I mean, that's a good thing. Just know, just know that you need to fight for that every single day because there is so much pressure to bail on integrity. And when we lose that, it hurts and it's painful and it's a difficult thing to get back, a difficult thing. So if you feel you have integrity, that's wonderful, that's great. Maybe you're thinking you don't have to pay attention. You can just dream about the Eagles getting a third win today and you don't have to zero in on our story. Not true, not true because... You've got to fight to stay full of integrity. You've got to fight to stay whole and not be splintered and divided. Maybe you're here and there's been a loss of integrity in your life. And you know what that feels like. You know how aggravating that is and how disappointing that is. And you know the pain and you know the loss. And maybe you're wondering if that's something you can ever get back at all. Well, here's the good news. Integrity can be earned again. It's a difficult thing, but it can be earned. And so there's good news for all of us. See, here's the deal. Integrity matters, and I imagine that most of us in this room want that. Like if we were polled, we would say, yeah, I'd like to be full of integrity. I would like to be known as being a whole person who's not divided or fractured or splintered. I want to be known as being full of integrity. I think most of us would say that, and here's why. It's because integrity gives us a platform to serve others. And if we don't have that platform, we're just out. Integrity, it gives us a platform to serve others. And when we have that platform, we can impact the people around us in a lot of different ways. But without that platform, we're just out. So let's think about our guy for today. His name is Abimelech. And he's a really interesting individual because on the outside, he really looked like this. I mean, he looked like a guy who was full of integrity. He looked like a tactical leader. And he came to the people in his town and said, I think you should make me king. That was kind of a foreign thing to them. They didn't have kings back in the day. They had judges at this point, but he wanted to be king. And so the people kind of got together and they thought about that. And they said, he looks good. He smells good. He talks good. He looks and acts like a king. So let's go ahead and do this because on the outside, he looked like he was full of integrity. But on the inside, on the inside of Abimelech, he was a hot mess. <laughs> he really was. He had all kinds of things going on that were going to create a lot of different issues and a lot of different problems for the people that he was starting to lead. And so that's what he looked like on the outside. That's what he looked like on the inside. Let's kind of check out this story. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Judges chapter 9 or a smart device. Look it up there. You can also see these words on the screen. One day, Gideon's son, Abimelech, went to Shechem 
to visit his uncles, his mother's brothers. And he said to them and to the rest of his mother's family, ask the leading citizens of Shechem whether they want to be ruled by all 70 of Gideon's sons or by one man. And remember that I am your own flesh and blood. So Gideon is Abimelech's dad, and this is why the people liked him, because he was a local kid, and his dad was a military hero. God had used Gideon to accomplish great things, and so they're all excited about Abimelech. And there's 70 different sons here. Actually, there's 72. That'll blow your mind, won't it? 72 kids. That's a lot of kids. And so we've got different wives that are going on here, and it's a bit crazy. And so Abimelech goes to his mom's brothers, like they know him. They don't know all the other half-brothers, but they know Abimelech, and he's like, make me king. It's going to be a good thing, verse 3. So Abimelech's uncles gave his message to all the citizens of Shechem on his behalf. And after listening to this proposal, the people of Shechem decided in favor of Abimelech because he was their relative. Now, what's really, really interesting about this is the place where this is all happening. It's happening in Shechem. And several years before this, another guy by the name of Joshua, who was a great leader and loved God and loved the people that God had called him to lead. He was a man full of integrity. He was whole the whole way through. Not perfect, but he was whole. And so Joshua gathered all of the people. He gathered the entire nation. We're talking millions of people here. And he said to them, we have to consecrate ourselves today. We've got to get after God. We've got to worship him and we've got to respond to him and we've got to make him a really big deal in our lives. And if we do that, God is going to be good to us. And Joshua even said, as for me and my house, like I'm not so sure what everybody else is going to do here, But for me and my house, we're going to get after God. We're going to serve him. And this all happened in a place called Shechem. And the people responded, and they got all excited about this challenge of serving God and getting after him. So now, a few years later, we've got Abimelech, an individual who is a hot mess on the inside. And here at Shechem, he's convincing people that they need to do something else. So verse 4. They gave him 70 silver coins from the temple of Baal Bareth. This was an idol. God said, don't worship that idol, but they did. And they used it to hire some reckless troublemakers who agreed to follow him. So the uncles of Abimelech, they give him some startup money to kind of establish his leadership. And Abimelech goes out and hires a bunch of cracked up nutcases. That's what it says right here. He hired thugs and he hired bullies. And here's what they did, verse 5. He went to his father's home at Ophrah. You can say Oprah if you want, that's fine. And there on one stone, they killed all 70 of his half-brothers, the sons of Gideon. But the youngest brother, Jotham, escaped and hid. And you kind of read that And you say, what? What's going on here? What is happening? Here's an individual who gets some money and he hires a bunch of thugs and he goes out and he kills most of his brothers except for one who got away. It's almost like he looked at people and said, hey, are you you my brother? 
come on over here, I'd like to kill you today so that I can be king. That's what's happening here. It's a bit bizarre. Of course, one little brother got away. There's always a little brother, right? So the little brother gets away and his name is Jotham. His name means Yahweh is honest. Very, very unique because it's the language of integrity. We're talking here about somebody who is whole, who has integrity. That's Jotham, and he's a picture of Yahweh, and he is honest, all of the things that his older brother wasn't. So this younger brother, Jotham, in Judges chapter 9, gets the crowd together and says, all right, you've made Abimelech king. Good luck with that. He kills family members. I hope you have a great time with him. He's not who you think he is. He looks one way on the outside, but he's really something else on the inside. You are in for a world of hurt. And then scripture tells us that Jotham went off and he hid in a place called Beer. Now, I think he was probably drinking that because he wanted to hide what his brother was doing. But he goes to this place called Beer and scholarly people actually consider that to be a well. Like they can't find a city in historical records named Beer. So it's very, very likely that Jotham went and hid in a well where his brother would not be able to find him. So Jotham's out of the way. He's hiding in a well. The other brothers are gone. They're like dead, and so they can't do anything at all, and Abimelech goes on a tear. If you walk through Judges chapter 9, you'll find him just pillaging different villages and killing innocent people because he wasn't a whole person the whole way through. Now, here's what we find in verse 50. Then Abimelech attacked the town of Thebes, and captured it. But there was a strong tower inside the town, and all the men and women, the entire population, fled to it. They barricaded themselves in and climbed up to the roof of the tower. Abimelech followed them to attack the tower. But as he prepared to set fire to the entrance, a woman on the roof dropped a millstone that landed on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Great aim, right? There it is. Verse 54, he quickly said to his young armor bearer, draw your sword and kill me. Don't let it be said that a woman killed Abimelech. I mean, he's just a narcissistic creep. So the young man ran him through with the sword and he died. And when Abimelech's men saw that he was dead, they disbanded and returned to their homes. So (laughs) Abimelech. He's an individual who wasn't whole the whole way through. He had no integrity, and he grabbed for power with no respect for people, and he suffered an ignominious death suitable for someone of his character at the hands of someone who had great aim. Abimelech, it's kind of an icky story, don't you think? I mean, he was power-hungry and ruthless and overconfident, And all of this led to his early death. And all of this, by the way, could have been avoided. All of this as the result of Abimelech having no integrity on the inside. And at the end of the day, that's kind of the whole story. He wasn't a whole person. He was fractured, he was splintered, and it eventually led to his death. No integrity. That's Abimelech. 
All right, so what does this mean for us? I mean, how do we take this unique story that's really not happening today, at least in our world, how do we take these things and think about integrity as it plays out for us? Well, here's three takeaways for everybody. First of all, integrity begins with owning your stuff. That's where it begins. And if there has been a lack of integrity on your part for whatever reason, if you really look like this on the inside, then you can get integrity back. And if you have integrity, you can keep it by owning your stuff. That's where it begins. By the way, the next step in owning your stuff is confessing to God and to others, and it's inviting accountability into your life. I was at Men of Ice yesterday. It's a wonderful men's group that meets on Saturday mornings a couple of times a month, and I would encourage every man to come and check this out because we had a great time thinking about what authentic manhood is and a lot of it's centered around integrity, being whole the whole way through. And what was so unique is that the day ended with the guys filling out these little note cards and handing that to another person and saying, here's what I need to work on. Here's what I need to improve at. Here's where I need to sharpen my focus. And I want to give this to you because I want you to call me. I want you to ask me about this thing so that I am a whole person the whole way through. This is how we get integrity back and this is how we keep it. We own our stuff. We don't hide from it. We don't dismiss it. We don't blame it on the rain or anybody else. We just own it. It's really inviting someone into our life and saying to them, if you confront me about the holes that I've created, then I'll own it and I'll fix it. That's owning your stuff. That's getting integrity back. That's keeping it. It's saying, I'm going to own my issues. And if you confront me, if you come to me about the holes that I have created in our relationship or in anything else, I will own that and I will fix it. Integrity begins and we keep it by owning our stuff. You know, Bimelech's story could have been a bit different if at some point he would have owned what happened in his life. And he never did that. And he ended up with a crushed skull. Didn't work out so well for him. And we don't want the same kinds of results. So integrity begins with owning your stuff. Just own it. Secondly, the pressure to compromise never leaves. Sometimes you need to choose the long way. Choose to be sound and fight for that. Students, the pressure to compromise will never leave you. Choose to be sound. Choose to be right. Choose to be whole the whole way through. And if that means you miss out or a relationship doesn't go the way that you want it, it's okay because God will reward you in the right way at the right time. Choose to be sound and take the long way if you need to do that. Businesswoman, businessman, choose to be sound and take the long way around. And if that means you miss out on a promotion or you miss out on money or you miss out on recognition, 
it's okay because at the end of the day, you still have your integrity, which is what God wants you to have. And again, God will reward at the right time and the right way. So the pressure to compromise, the pressure to not be whole, the pressure to get splintered and fractured, it just never, never leaves. So choose to be sound and when necessary, take the long way. Take the long way, not always fun, but it's the right thing. And then thirdly, if you're at the edge of what looks like a great opportunity, but it's wrong, and you know that, don't do it, no matter what the immediate reward looks like. So if you're right there, if you're at the edge of what appears to be a great opportunity and you're having a hard time figuring that out, but there's something that brings clarity to the fact that this is not right for you at this time, at this moment, then don't do it no matter what the immediate reward looks like. See, Abimelech's story, it could have been different. Could have been way different for him instead of having a crushed skull and having somebody else kill you because you are not whole the whole way through. Abimelech's story could have been way different. And guess what? Our story, your story, my story, it can be way different too when we aim for integrity, being whole the whole way through. Father, we're so thankful for today and for this very unique story found in Judges chapter 9. It's kind of bizarre. It's kind of icky. It's a story about somebody who murders his whole family. I mean, just takes him out so that he can have something that he so desperately wanted. God, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to think about our own little world right now. Because for all of us, the pressure to compromise never leaves. And a lot of people in this room right now feel that. They know it. It's right there for them. And I pray that you'd encourage them and speak to them right now. God, for other people that are in the room, maybe they're feeling okay about it and they don't have that pressure right now, I pray that you'd help them to be wise and to continue to choose great aim because the day will come and it will probably happen soon where integrity will be pushed and the option will be there to not be whole the whole way through. God, for those that are seeking to build integrity again, I pray that you give them the courage to start the process of just owning their stuff and beginning there to build this platform again so that they can impact other people. God, I pray for students and business people and leaders and moms and dads and husbands and wives. God, I pray, I pray that you'd help us to just choose to be sound and to take the long way around when necessary and to miss out on stuff that we could have if we would just compromise a bit. God, help us to avoid all of that. And God, help us not to jump into something if it's the wrong thing, no matter what that immediate reward looks like. God, just speak into our hearts right now. Challenge us. 
I'd like for you to keep your head bowed for just a moment and talk to God. Just communicate with him quietly in your heart. And what is God whispering into your life right now about integrity? Whether you feel like you have a lot of that or you have none or whatever is happening in your world right now that might be pushing you to compromise and to bail, whatever's happening, just talk to God about that and ask him to help you to be the same person on the inside that you appear to be on the outside. Ask God to help you to be whole the whole way through this week. God, thank you for speaking to us today. Pray they'd help all of us just to walk out a bit different than what we came in this morning. Help us to fight for integrity. Because God, when we aim for that, you can use our lives to be a bright light in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, in this community and around the world. And God, that's what we want. That's the kind of aim we desire. So help us not to aim at anything. Help us not to aim at nothing. Help us to aim at a few good things like integrity, being whole the whole way through. God, help us with this. We do pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.